Good morning, everybody. How are we today? All right. What I want to do right now is I would like to say thank you to all of our veterans. And because you have, for years and years, many of you, many years, you've stood for us and sacrificed for us, I'd love for you to stay seated as we stand and we say thanks to you. We love you guys. Thank you for what you do and all the ways that you sacrifice for us. Let's just do this. Let's just stay standing. Let's just say thank you to God for what he's done through our armed service men and women. God, we love you. And God, it is, we understand that all of our freedom ultimately comes from you. God, but I thank you for how you have leveraged your hope, your salvation, your freedom, God, through the men and women who fight and battle, strategize, sacrifice for our freedom. So God, I pray you'd bless their families. Give them hope. Give them a great future. And God, ultimately, as we even talk about the good life, God, give them a good life and allow them to know you greater through their experiences in life. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Thank you for coming today. Thrilled to have you guys here. We're in week two of a series we're calling The Good Life, asking the question, does anybody not want to have a good life? right? Everybody wants a good life. We started this conversation last week. Today, I want to kind of throw a curveball in this conversation because I think there's some confusion with this. I think we get confused and we start thinking and asking questions, can a Christian live life fancy, right? Can Christians, are we allowed to live life large, you know? Are we allowed to have fun? Can we, is it, is it okay for a Christian to have stuff, like, and to enjoy stuff and, like, grow in influence and grow in opportunities? Is that okay for a Christian? Can we have nice things, right? So ultimately, here's the question. Can a Christian want just a little bit more, right? Is that, is that, is that wrong? Is that right? Is that okay? So what I want to do is I want to look at something in Scripture, two passages today, that will help us grasp what I think is, is the answer in this and, and help us to understand the biblical secret of, of, of more. Because I think wanting more obviously can lead to like selfishness, right, self-centeredness. We really talked about that last week. But is it okay for us to, to long to have more opportunities, to grow our nest egg, to achieve greater things? Is, there, is it wrong for us to want to be the very best in what we want to in what we want to be best in. Uh, I would say, you know, just personally, I mean, yes, I want to be the best at we, what we can be the best in is, is my role as a pastor and what my family tries to subscribe, subscribe to. I want our church to be the best. I want our church to continue to be better at what we're doing. Over the last seven years as the age of our church, we've had almost 2,000 people that have made Jesus leader and forgiver of their life. I want more. I want more of that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I think there's a there's, a, there's a, a way to do this that is both honoring to God and beneficial to us. But I want to show you this principle in Scripture today. So uh, we're going to look at two passages today. The first is going to be quick, and we're going to dive into Matthew 25 here right in just a second. But I want you to, in just a second, look up 2 Corinthians, and we'll dive in there in just a moment. 2 Corinthians 9, chapter 6. And that's where we're going to camp out. We're going to dissect that passage. And we're going to look through some amazing principles about how God feels about us 
wanting more? Does he want us to have more? Does he want us to grow in our influence and be blessed? So Matthew 25, uh, let me give you some handlebars on this. Jesus tells uh, one of these creative, culturally relevant, uh, crafty stories. We call those parables from the Bible. And he tells this story about a master, a boss, or a CEO type guy who goes out of town, and as he leaves, he entrusts his workers, three, three different people, he entrusts these workers with his stuff. And he says to them, hey, here's my stuff. I want you to manage it. I want you to grow it. I want you to do your best with what I give you. And he gives them amounts, different amounts of his stuff. And so when he comes back, two of them have done a phenomenal job, really good jobs with what they've been given, both working, managing, and investing the master's stuff. And so when he comes back, there's more. There's more. He's given them some. They've taken the little, and they've grown it, and it's become more. So the master comes back, and he recognized that these guys managed well. So Jesus tells this story. We pick up the story in Matthew 25, verse 26, and it says, His master said to him, now, now the master's picked out one guy. He's having a conversation with one of those three guys who's done well at managing, and he says, well done, good job, good and faithful servant. You've done great. You have been faithful, that's key word, faithful over a little, and now because of you've been, you being faithful over a little, I will set you over what? Much. Much. I, I'm going to give you more because you've been faithful with a little. So we, we get an inkling of wh- where this conversation goes with us in this conversation of should we, is it okay for us to want more? Is it okay for us to have more? Is it okay, okay for us to try to be our best and grow and do better at what we have? And I think the answer is yes. And so God, uh, God Jesus tells a story, and we see that if you will manage what God has given you well, he might just entrust to you more. Scripture says maybe much more. So this, this ultimately, so this applies all over the place, right? It applies in, in many areas of our life. Uh, if you want more influence, uh, I think God wants to help you have more influence. Obviously, if it's directed in a way that God uh, can use it for his purposes and, and allow it to be for a kingdom effect or kingdom mindset, um, if you want to grow in your abilities, God, I want to be better. I want to. I want to grow. You gave me this this personality. You gave me these character traits. God, I want to be. I want to be best me that I can possibly be for you. Um, I think you can manage uh, a lot of different aspects of your life. Looking at this from multiple standpoints, uh, maybe maybe right now it's you know you're you're at a place in life. Maybe you're, you're new at the workplace and you are now the stock boy of Publix, right? And you're you're like man. I don't, want to, I don't want to always be the stock boy, but while I'm the stock boy, I'm going to be the dang best stock boy I can be. And you stock it well, you straighten it well, and you show up on time, and you work late, and you, you, you exercise all your gifts, and you take care of the little, and then one day the, the boss man shows up, he's like, man, you've done a phenomenal job. I've not seen anybody with this much passion to stock the way you have. I'm going to give you a raise. I'm going, to put you in a new, I'm going to put you in a new position. I'm going to raise you up to assistant, whatever, manager, whatever. And I think, I think we see this, this principle uh, in ways that can be applied in a lot of different directions. But I want to show you this today. I want this to, to twist towards a conversation that really looks at an area that we're all familiar with, and that is money. Money, 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 money. 
kind of off, right? I know. I always hear it better in my mind than when I actually sing it. But I want to talk to us today. I want to kind of have a heart-to-heart with you. Uh, Almost like if we could ever, you know, our church is too large to do this, but I would love to because I'm wired relationally. But I would love to sit down and have a coffee with all of us and talk about this conversation of being generous, of, of being not just, you know, generalistically generous, but like talking specific about this concept of God wanting to do things in our lives as it pertains to us being generous with what God's doing in the world, with being generous with kingdom purpose things, with, with being specifically even generous with your church. Like Scripture says, God says, bring your tithe, which is 10% of your entire income, to your church. So all of a sudden I raise this question of money, and I, just, I can see like eyes like, Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, boy. We're, we're in for, let's just loosen up a little bit. Or maybe you guys, like, need to loosen up because a lot of you guys, you just tightened up. Got a lot of stiff people right now, right? Because all of a sudden I brought up the money conversation. And, and, and honestly, this is, this, is a, this is a big conversation for a lot of people. Because money is something that is, uh, is something we all need, right? Everybody needs it, right? We all want more of it. And a lot of times we can get in places where we're struggling because of the amounts we have or think we want to have. Money can be a huge conversation. So what I want to do today, I really want, to, I really want you to kind of relax a bit. Uh, if you're a guest today, my apologies that we're talking about money. All right? Apologize to you if you brought a guest today. You're like, oh, I told you it was going to be awesome, but our preacher's talking about money. But let me just say this. This is a conversation that can totally relate whether you follow God, you're a follower of His, whether you believe in Jesus and what He did or not. There's a secret to this principle. There's some value of this principle that I I promise you, applied to a person who's a non-believer or a believer, there's some stuff in here that is going to be helpful for you if you'll take some steps in following what God says on this. So just, 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 let's just say that this is the conversation, that if we could have coffee, this is what I would want to challenge you in. And I prayed all week long, God, help me to say this exactly the way you once said. I don't want to offend. I don't want to hurt. I, I want to lead us to a place of seeing God more in the arena of our financial lives. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to start off with just kind of looking at it like this. If, if you're the person right now where you got stiff and you're squirming a little bit and you're wishing we were talking about something else, and I know that's probably a, a lot of us, all right? Um, but if you're folding your arms, you're, you're kind of pushing back on this conversation, this subject, and, and you would say, and people, maybe your wife or your kids or maybe you just acknowledge you, you are not a generous person, right? It's not your... It's not easy for you. It's, it's, it's harder for you to be generous if that's where you're at. Um, and you would say, I'm, I'm far from, like, trusting God with that whole tithe thing, right? Um, I want to say this. I don't judge you, all right? I don't judge you. Uh, you're probably great in other faith areas, right? You probably have other areas that you would say, I'm a Christian. I, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I know I love Jesus, and I, and, I'm, and, I, and I serve 
in our My Kids area, or I serve with, with Ed in our homeless ministry on, on throughout the week, and, I, and, I, and I'm great in those, those faith areas, but I, I am not, man, I'm just I'm struggling with this whole financial thing, if, if you're honest. Um, let me just say that I don't judge you, neither does anybody else judge you. You know why? Because if that's your hang-up, right, if your hang-up's money, and you, you, your, your hang-up is money, and, and that's an area of resistance for you. You've not kind of opened your heart to God in that area. But you're great in other areas. I don't judge you. We don't judge you because we all have hang-ups. Am I right? Right? You, you, you might be sitting next to somebody who's, like, stingy, and you're like, yeah, get them, preacher. They're, they're never generous anywhere, Right? They're ungrateful, they're grumpy. I mean, right now I can feel the sweat dripping off of them on me, right? We don't need to judge anybody else. You're, you're, you, you, they might have a, a financial struggle, and that's an area of resistance, but you might, your hang-up's anger. <laughs> Hello. Your hang-up is, is lust. Your hang-up, you have an addiction to yourself. You love me, right? You love yourself. You, you're, you're, hung, you're, hang up on, you're hung up on being prideful, and everything's got to serve you. All of us have hang-ups. All of us have areas of resistance. But if this is you, and, and, and I'm just saying this, this is, this is a lot of us, because money is a delicate subject, especially when you have someone challenging you to trust God with your stuff. But here's what I want to say. If, if you've ever wondered why, um, you are financially frustrated, like a lot of the time. While you're financially frustrated, you're fearful about how much you got, you hoard it, and, and like, no, don't take it, and you, you find yourself just not being generous, could it be that you've locked God out of the most important part of your life? Could that, could that be why? Because I, I, I've, I've seen it so many times, even in, in Christy and I's life, uh, we're a fellow journeyer, journeyer, journeyman and woman with you guys as it pertains to trusting God with our stuff. We, we, we subscribe to uh, what I'm saying this morning. We've had to trust God over the years. We've learned to follow God even when times we're like, God, we're going to do it in spite of our fear and in spite of us being nervous and in spite of like, I don't know if I can trust you, God. We're going to do it anyways because we want to be obedient. I, I know what it's like to feel nervous and scared and struggle. But if, if you're financially frustrated, it's because you've locked God out of the most important part of your life. And my hope is not for today's conversation. I'm not trying to work this up that we have a great offering today because it doesn't help us long term, right? For me to guilt you or to kind of force something on today is just going to make those of you that struggle with this mad and so you go like, I'll drop 10 bucks or I'll drop 50 bucks or whatever. And you go home mad, that, that's not my goal. And let me just take some pressure off. I don't work off commission. I get nothing. There's no bonuses. I mean, my wife and I, we tithe. We go beyond our tithe. We tithe more than 10% to our church. So I'm in this with you. I get no bonuses. Here's my hope. I don't want your wallet. The church doesn't need your money. This is not about your stuff. It's not about your wallet. It's about your heart. And for you to 
have a path of, I'm, I'm, I'm on a path of spiritual growth. I'm on a path of knowing God greater. I'm on a path of like learning to trust God by faith and my faith growing. The clearest path is to trust God with your finances. You know why it's the clearest path? Because it's the hardest path. God knew in advance that we would, most of us, fall in love with our stuff. And as time went on, our money could steal our hearts. God knew this. So this is always a competition for the heart. God wants our hearts. He doesn't need your money. He's got more than you've got. In fact, everything everything you've got, he gave you. So he can turn it on or turn it off. And so this is huge for us. And so this conversation is just like, pull up a chair, let's have some coffee, let's just talk for a moment. So let me just do this. Um, A couple things we're going to be doing, I'll just pause on today's conversation, let's look next year. If this is a struggle for you financially, and maybe maybe you got your finances jacked up, and I would say percentage-wise, a lot of us probably have more debt than what we want. Probably a lot of us are like, I don't know how I'm going to retire. I don't have a clue how it's going to change, and we can never get where we need to get. I want to be helpful. We, we As a church, we want to help each other. We want to lock arms and, and be as great as we can be and learn what we can learn. So next year, we're going to roll out a Dave Ramsey course, who's a financial guru guy, and we're going we're gonna to lock arms together and say, let's reduce our debt. Let's get things sorted out correctly. Let's live within our means. Let's, let's look at money and think about money properly so we can be generous. And I'm going to tell you why it's advantageous for us in just a moment to, to, to be generous. But we're going to do that next year. We're going to help you, out, help you get out of debt. We're going to help you create some margin. We're going to help your marriages, those of you that are married, and like that's a sore subject because one of you is a spender and one of you is a saver. Am I right? Am I right? I mean, I was just, uh, God, I don't know why you did that. But if you're married to a spender and you're a spender, God help you. (laughs) Right? You will want to show up for this this Dave Ramsey experience. Now, couple, couple, uh, one one really exciting thing. Uh, My church, this church, we have a new app that I want to roll out to you today. So everybody grab your, your smartphone real quick. Everybody grab your smartphone. I want to, we did this last hour. It was awesome. Everybody walked away last hour, and we, we, are, we all now have the My Church app. Let me tell you why I want you to have this app. I want you to have this app because it's going to help you in your spiritual growth. It's going to help you stay connected to the church. It's going to do a variety of things. So what I want to do is I want you to go ahead and get your phone out, go to your app store, search for My Church Columbus, and go, I want it. Can everybody say, I want it on three? One, two, three. I want it. All right, get the app because you want it. You just said you did, all right? So since you want the app, I've got it on my phone. Here's some great things about this. You're going along throughout your week. You just, had, you just walked away on Sunday, and there was this phenomenal message by this guy that preached this unbelievable sermon, right? Must have been Ed or somebody else. And you're like, but on Monday I'm now discouraged. And, man, I I can't remember that verse. You can go right on the Bible app on our My Church app, Bible app. And we're going to be really working hard on giving constant 
information that you can choose to go get, right? What was that verse from last Sunday? Oh, here's some notes from last Sunday. Here's some highlights from last Sunday. Oh, here's a devotional. I mean, that was a great word. I needed that today. All right, so we're going to have content that's, that's given. There's scripture. You can get your Bible verse. You can get all kind of stuff on here. You can connect, right? All throughout the week, you're going to be able to connect with the church. You're going to be able to know what's going on. You're going to be able to keep up with what's going on. Multiple ways to use this app, and we're really, really excited about it. So I hope you guys will use this and leverage it because this is going to be a part of how our church moves forward together, and I don't want you to miss out. Our communication, a lot is going to happen right here. And if you're a part of this church, this movement, you want to be a part of the family, man, and if you don't even like us, just get the app, all right? That's what I'm trying to do today. All right, so grab the app. It's going to be great. All right, so back to what we're talking about. If you got your Bibles today, I want to dive into this passage. And I want you, I want you to see something for yourselves today. I don't want to be the guy who tries to get you to... Do something because I think it's great or I believe in it. I want you to see God's words today, all right? So if you got your Bibles, if you don't, uh, no worries, screens and in your worship guide. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9. Everybody say 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. You're with me. Good. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. It says, remember this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly. Now we're going into like farming terms. By the way. Is anybody a full-time farmer here? Are you really? Awesome. I thought we'd have one last hour. I was hoping we didn't, so we got one. Anybody else, like, you're a full-time farmer? You, like, farm for a living. All right, not many. So this is probably a disconnect uh, because you're not farming, but you're growing your company, or you're working in a company, and you're growing your part of that company. All of us can relate to this in terms of what we do in our livelihood today. But this pertains to farming. So whoever sows sparingly, talking about you take a seed and you sow it in the ground, you got to water it, you got to you know, plant it, water it, and see it grow. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. All right? So if you, if you aren't putting things in the ground, you cannot expect anything to grow. If you're not planting the seeds that God's given you in a farming world, uh, if you're not taking the seeds that you've been blessed with and planting them, you're not going re- to see any harvest that happens in the spring. So if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But whoever sows, what's the word there? Help me out. What's the word? Whoever sows what? Generously will also reap generously. Like, wow. Now, I'll tell you this. Usually when I hear something like that, it's like some multi-level thing that I'm like, oh, red flags, no, and I'm not against multi-level, right? But sometimes when you get offered something that sounds too good to be true, what? It's too good to be true, except when it's in God's Word, except when it is God's Word and it pertains to us and our spiritual development, when it pertains to us in, in unlocking the God activity in our life. So each man, here's how it ought to be done, each man or woman, you should give what you've decided in your heart, not letting me motivate you to do anything different. That's the point of Scripture. Don't give, don't give reluctantly, like, oh, God, I got to do it. No, 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 God, I don't want you to do that. 
I mean, sometimes I know it's hard. God doesn't want you to give like that or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So uncross your arms, shake it off, right? Just relax. No one's forcing you to do anything today. I don't want to guilt trip anybody. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help you. I don't want you to close your heart on this conversation because I think God wants to do a work in all of us today. Verse 6, and God, and God is able to bless you abundantly. If you're, a cheerful, if, you're a, if you're becoming a cheerful giver, and I know it's a process, it's not overnight. You don't all of a sudden have like mountaintop, like God-sized faith. I'm walking on water like Peter. Now I'm trusting God so much. No, no, it takes, it's a process. I know, I get it. it it's, it's, it's tough to take these steps. But as you become a cheerful giver, as you start becoming generous, God is able to bless you what? Abundantly. So that in what? How many things? All things. How many times? All times. Having what? All that you need. You will abound in every good work. All times. All things. Abounding in every good work. I think that's just about covered everything, right? So this is like a financial principle that God says, if you want to see me in your life greatly, you've got to start stepping by faith financially. Now, I know that sounds so, it's so countercultural. Because you got preachers out there who abuse that. You got places out there that abuse that. All right, but I, I'm, 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 I'm in this with you. It's something we practice as a family. So here, here's, here's the motive of this. This is about our hearts following, knowing, and experiencing God. And for many Christians out there, we have locked God out of the greatest place that we need him. I need him in my finances. Why? Because he's, he's got all the money. I, I don't want I don't want to, like, close the door. I don't even want to crack the door. I don't want God just to have, a, a, a like, a toe in my heart. I want him to have all of it. Why? Because I, I need to be a great dad. Because we, we need God's help. Because I need his blessing, because I want his favor in what we're doing. I don't want to shut God out and say, no, I'm not trusting you. I want to do, do just the opposite. God, look, you can manage it better than me. You, you're, you're, you're far greater and smarter and able than I am. So I'm opening the door, letting you in by being faithful. Because money could steal my heart. So, as it is written... As you have abounded in good, every good work, as is written, they freely scattered, meaning Christians, churches, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. So what is this saying? As we're being generous, what do you do with your stuff? You, you scatter it, you share it. Get, you know, like, hey, here's some people who need it. We've been blessed, right? I mean, it's a sacrifice for us, but that's what I'm supposed to do so God will bless me back so I can be a blessing to others. Here's what our church does. Our church gives all over the place. Do you guys know this? We're constantly giving. Several weeks ago, we had someone call me after the service. We had a conversation. We grabbed all the cash, all the cash from a Sunday and said, this is yours. And it was exactly the amount the guy needed. He said, here's where my pain point is today with power bills and this. The exact amount that we had in cash was what his need was. It was like, whoa, we, we both cried like, God, you were all over this. 
We, we bless people all over the place. We bless churches that are starting. We've started like now over 200 churches. Do you guys know this? We, through an organization called ARC, we start churches all over America. We started a church in Guadalajara, Mexico. And we have a Mi Iglesia, My Church Mexico, with our, with our partners. Um, oh, my gosh. Carlos and Carlisa. That's just age, people, okay? Uh, we, we have an incredible local ministry that I'm so blessed and proud of Ed Griffin Hagen for leading. Ed birthed a homeless ministry in our church. I mean, I, I love Ed and Susan's story. They, they, they've been like stingy all their lives, like ridiculously stingy. And all of a sudden, God got a hold of their hearts. Now they run our homeless ministry. No, they've always been like sweet, generous people. But they never did anything like this. This is new. Susan walks around. She's like five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing pounds. And she walks all over the darkest streets and loves on people, prays on people, brings them out of the shadows, and helps them find Jesus every week throughout the week. Do you know that our M2540 homeless ministry has given over 8,000 meals since January? I mean, there are people, yeah, we ought to clap. 4,000 snack packs, right? 4,000 snack packs, 1,000 hygiene kits, Bibles, tents, sleeping bags. This Christmas, I wasn't going to say this. I didn't say this last hour, but I'm in, I'm in it now. What's I think I got to say it. This Christmas, we're going to do an outdoor outdoor Christmas Eve service. And, it, and we're, we're going to, like, it's outdoors. It'll be dark. Everyone would get a wrist will get a wristband that lights up based on the beat of our band songs. Oh yeah. Like Yeah. All right? Like awesome, right, Stephen? And what we're going to do that night because it's going to be cold out, right? We're going to be like all bundled up in our coats and our blankets. Guess what? Bring a coat, leave a coat. Bring a blanket, leave a blanket. Guess who's going to get it? Our homeless folks. We're going to do some awesome stuff coming up. But listen, this is, this is awesome. Yeah, I know. Then listen, this is, this is the promise. We go on to the promise of what Jesus says. If, we'll be, if, we'll be, if our church will be gender, generous, our church will be dangerous. We'll be dangerous for what the enemy is trying to stop us from doing. Passing on God so the whole world will know him. They get saved. We get growth. We get faith. We get to walk away saying, yeah, God's awesome. He showed up because I, I, I took a step of faith. But here's, here's the promise, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, that's God. He gives seeds to us. He blesses us. How? With bread for food. God, God says, I, I will guarantee your, I'll take care of you. That's why we got to take care of homeless people because God made the promise. We're going to make good on that, right? That's, that's how he works. So now he who supplies seed to the sower, and bread for food, Chipotle didn't provide it, God did, all right, will also, now here it is, will also do what? Increase, increase. Now here's the promise. Notice what Jesus says in Scripture. As you take your stuff and use it through my church to bless others, I will increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be, just so we're not clear, that word righteousness, what does that really mean? 
Does that mean I'm just like blessed in heaven? Yeah, you'll be blessed in heaven. But guess what else? On earth, so that you will be enriched in what kind of ways? Every kind of way. So this is not just a other conversation. This is a financial conversation. We're talking about your stuff. We're talking about the stuff that can grab our hearts and rob us of experiencing God, can rob us and steal from us the knowledge of how big God is. If we lock God out, we will not see God exercise his prowess in our finances. So here's the deal. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can what? Absorb it all up and hoard it? No. (laughs) No. Yeah, some of you, you're hoarding all you'll ever hoard because you're hoarding it, because you're being stingy, because you got your arms crossed still, because you're mad, I want, you want to hurry and get done with this conversation. But here's the truth. If we will be generous with what God is blessing us with, here's the promise. If you'll be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. If God blesses us, he blesses us so we can what? Be a blessing to others. So who is God going to continually fill up? Who, what, whose bucket will God continually fill up? Those who are blessing others. Fill the bucket up, scatter it to other people, he'll fill it back up. Fill it back up, scatter it to some people, God will continue to fill it up. In fact, what he says is, I'm going to give you bigger buckets. If you trust me, I'm going to grow your resources so you can be continually blessing others. That's what God's promise is. It's not mine. I get scared saying this because I'm like, God, you've got to make good on it. But I promise you, in our, my wife and I's lifetime, we've seen God show up and up and up and up. And what do we do because of it? I trust him more. I trust him more than I did 25 years ago when I found Christ. I've seen him work in our lives in this area. So here's the thing give you three things I want to close rather quickly. I want to break this down, all right, as it pertains to our lives in, in the conversation of that time farming. Um, when it comes to seeds, you, and in your notes, here you go, you can write some cool things down in the blanks now, you will only reap what you sow. You can't reap something that you are not sowing. A farmer cannot take a, a kumquat seed plant it, and get an avocado, right? So, so you can only reap what you sow. So since this is a financial principle, you can only get out of life what you put into it. So if you don't like your finances, you don't like your life, sow a different seed. It's, it just can't be, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close the door on my finances, but I'm going to serve in my kids and expect continual growth, Continual seeing God show up by faith. It just can't happen. You got one, God has half your heart, but not all your heart. And it's like, God, I'm just going to close the door completely because if God, as we continue to say no, or if we continue to say no, what we do is we just say, God, I'm not going to trust you. And you know how hard that is for God to swallow? It's about the same way when my kids um, are out with dad and they get scared of something. And I'm like, you don't have to be scared of that. I am with you. I will, I will bust that scary dude up, right? I will take him out, right? We've had these experiences. I've told you stories before, riding on, you know, the river walk, and they got scared. I'm like, dude, ain't nobody rocking up in here and hurt my kids. Daddy is with you. 
right? And I'm offended. I am so, I'm like shocked and offended that they don't trust that I got their backs. In the same way, our heavenly Father is like, do you trust me? This is the biggest, hugest, audacious place you can trust me in. Now start taking some steps of doing that. And I'll show you that I'm trustworthy. That's, that's, that's what we're talking about. That's the principle. You can only reap what you sow. So here's, here's how this plays out. I mean, you guys are, are dog people. You like dogs? You guys are cat people. Just a handful of you. Praise God. Um, <laughs> cats, are, cats are fine. It's all good. So, you know, you know we've been talking elections and who's going to be the next president and we want somebody and you don't want somebody and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there's some tension in the world today. So let's just keep this light, all right? All presidents had dogs, most of them. They all like pets. Must be the cool thing for presidents. All got to have a dog, got to have a cat, got to have some. Well, Obama had a dog. Bush had a dog. Andrew Jackson had a parrot. He had a parrot. All right, so at his funeral, if you guys know anything about history, if you, at his funeral, they decided to bring the parrot because he loved this parrot. Loved the parrot. So they're conducting the funeral. All of a sudden, the parrot start, tarts, tarts, he starts talking. You know what the parrot was saying in the midst of this honorable presidential funeral? The parrot started cussing like a sailor. <laughs> like just, blah, 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 like just going off, like cussing. People were like, oh my gosh, how did that parrot know how to cuss? <laughs> Andrew Jackson taught him, <laughs> right? He lived with the president. The president was behind closing school behind closing doors just cussing somebody out the parrot learned here's the here's the point you get what you sow you get only what you sow you can only get back what you sow god i'm serving you i'm helping in the the homeless ministry god and you're getting you're getting apples when you want a watermelon right so god says listen if we're talking financial let me in there by starting to trust me. All right, you reap what only you, you sow. Second thing is this. You reap only after you sow. Makes sense, right? You can't hold the seed, hang on to the seed, and expect something to sprout out of the ground. Farming, farmers would say, uh, no, plant it, do all the stuff you do with the ground, water it, then it will grow. So you can only reap after you sow. So here's the thing. Your faith brings God's action. Your faith brings God's action. Are you right, Pastor? Because that sounds like I'm willing God to do something. All right? Do a study in the Old Testament. Look at every Bible character in the Old Testament. Just have fun and go all the way through the New. Every time somebody in the Old Testament saw God work, it was after they took a step of faith. Every time. Every time. See, God wants us to first trust Him so He can show off in our lives. That's just what God does. He is in the faith-building business. He wants to grow your faith, but He's like, you got to show up so I can be able to say, yeah, they took, this, they took the step, look what I did. He wants to show off. He wants to show up in your lives. And so we see God work when 
we take faith, faith, uh, steps of faith. So every time you see God move in the Bible, is always after we move. So here's the question. Start today. Start trusting God financially today. Yeah, I'm saying it. I'm saying it because why? I love our church. Because I would love to see us on a mountaintop with our faith being so huge that we would, we would reach every man, woman, and child in this city. That will not happen until we, we, we take some steps of faith, until we start risking some stuff. All of a sudden, we'll see God show up more and more and more. This place will be white hot. But you can only read after you, after you sow. So my suggestion, dial up the God activity in your life through being generous. Dial up your faith by being generous. Dial up the God activity in your marriage by being generous to what God's doing in the world. Dial up your growth. Dial up, dial up the, the, the all, the enriched, the increased, the enlarged. Dial up that because that's his promise. Dial up God in your life. Last thing is this. You get back more than you sow. Why would God give me more than I give to him? Great question. Glad you asked. Both tangible ways and intangible ways. Why? Because he has more than you do. I mean, this is not rocket science. He, he wants to be known. Is that God's ultimate goal? God wants to be known. God wants the world, he wants the entire world to believe that he exists. Who does he prove it through? People who are faithful. People, people who are following. People who are saying, yes, I will I will give you my life. Why? Because you gave yours to me. He wants to prove it through us. So we can trust God because he's really, really, really rich. And we can trust God because he really is really, really generous. Think about this. John 3.16. It's the most famous verse. You see it at every football game. Guess some joker with a sign. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he... That he, that, he, that he spoke, that he, that he, like on Halloween night, said, boo, from heaven. That on, that on Valentine's Day, he like blew kisses. I love you, everybody. Hello, my people down. No, no, no. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's who he is. That's who he is. He wants to show us who he is. So I'm going to end with one verse. <clears throat> This is not from Paul. It's not from Moses. This is a promise from Jesus. Luke 6.38 starts out with the word give. Luke 38, give. And to be really honest, that's, that is the only word in this verse that I need. B- because, because I'm a Jesus follower. And because he's, he's my king. Because he's my leader. And when he says give, I'm, I'm going to give. Why? Because... Because he's, he's in charge. I can trust him because he willingly gave his life for me. He died in my place. So he says, give, okay, I'll do it. Why? For multiple reasons. Uh, because, well, what is the, really, what is the best reason to give? Uh, obedience, just because he said so? Yeah, that's a good one. What, what's, a, what's another good reason? Blessing. Does God, is he promising, saying, I will bless you? Yeah. And I'm not a prosperity theology guy. I'm not a 
rub the genie bottle and God will do whatever I say. No, no, he's in charge. It's not about me. It's not even for me. It's for somebody else. Flows through me for somebody else. I get to benefit, yeah. I get to grow, but I get to see somebody else's life change. However, God wants to use it to scatter somebody else. I get growth. I get the blessing out of it. So obedience, blessing, what's another great reason? I would say love. Love. He says, give, I ought to give because I love him. Give, and it will be given to you. Give, and it will be given to you. Here's the promise. Simply put, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and poured into your lap. That's like God saying, I got this, and then some. Trust me. So best reasons to give, obedience, blessing, love. All right, I asked you a moment ago, dog lovers. We've got some dog lovers in here. Um, so we got a new dog like three years ago, four years ago, my wife says now. Four years ago. And uh, we got this cute little puppy. We all came home with her. Everybody fell in love with the dog. Cutest, awesome little Springer Spaniel ever. She's, a, she's awesome. We all fall in love, her, love with her. A couple years goes by. All of a sudden, we come home, and she's like, like just laying there like she's almost dead. We take her to the doctor. They're like, she may not make it. So they give her some drugs, try to figure out what's wrong with her. Can't figure out. We come, we come home. Drugs help for a little bit. We wake up the next morning. The dog's just like tongue hanging out. And, and, and so all of a sudden, we kind of go in like, you know, as panic mode as you can get for your dog right? I mean, we love our dog. So we, I, I'm, I've got church stuff going on, and, and Christy says, hey, I'll, I'll take the dog to the doctor. And the kids are just now like, daddy, she gonna die? What's wrong? Oh, it's like family drama, right? People freaking out, like snot, tears, stuff flying everywhere, holding the dog, trying to, no, don't take our dog away. We'll never see her again. Because they see how, like, she's limp. She's limp. Well, we find out, because our dog, like, runs all through the woods, uh, she had, she'd gored herself with a stick. They couldn't find any x-rays. It was in her throat. But you couldn't feel it because it had gone all the way through and her hair was kind of covering it up. So she was dying. And so my wife leaves and looks back through the, through the door and says, like the most audacious question she could have ever asked me. She, she leans and she goes, how much? As she's taking it to the, the, the vet. How much? And, and I, was, I was like, baby, are you serious about our dog? We love our dog. You're asking how much? What was even worse, I had an answer. <laughs> and so we like, $100, $400. Like, and we, we find her like, that's it. If, it, if you know, vet bills are a lot. If it's more than that, I mean, that, that's, that's where we drop it off. I mean, if it's more than that, so we, kids don't know this, right? So finally she takes the dog. We get all the dog figured out. Here, here's, here's the point. Because I had a number, there was a limitation to my love. But you take, you take and, and drag me out on a gurney, and my kids, my, kids, my wife, Christy wouldn't have a number, I hope. <laughs> if, if, if all of a sudden it comes to my wife and, she, and she's, she's 
they got to take her out on a, on a gurney, and she's got to dial 911. I'm not, there, there's not a number. There's not a number. You parents know, if, if something happens to your kids, and they got to take one of your kids, do I have a number? To, is there a limitation to what I won't do to come up with whatever amount I will come up with? Why? Because I love my kids. There is no number when it comes to love. There is no number. I will do whatever it takes. We will live under a bridge. I will rob, steal, kill, and destroy for my kids. Now, that sounds pretty crazy. I'd like to take some of that back right now. Okay? But you get my point. But here's the point that God makes. Here's the point that God makes. There was no limitation to his love. That wasn't just a one-time thing with Jesus on the cross. That proves the magnitude and level of his love, but it does not stop with what Jesus did on the cross. That's the same level of love that he wants to continue with our entire lifetime on this planet and for eternity beyond that. So here's what he says to us. Trust me. So here's my hopes for you today. Start trusting God with your finances. Start testing him. In Malachi 10, it says, not Malachi 1.10, it says, test me in the arena of your finances. Test me, and I will prove you that I'm God. So here's the thing. I, I, I know this is a, this is a nail-biter, right? Ugh. It's not for today. It's for the rest of your life. Do you know God or don't you know God? Do you experience God or do you continue to be frustrated in an area where God wants you to win so he can show off through you? That's the bottom line. God wants the world to have faith in him. He wants to leverage those who are faithful so the whole world can know that he's God. He wants to start with me. He wants to start with you. Start somewhere. Let's pray. God, I, uh, I just, I ask that today you would, uh, this is not even about a them conversation, it's about a me conversation. God, grow my faith, God. God, we'll continue to, to leverage our stuff and sacrifice our stuff and give our money for this church for the purpose of it reaching every man, woman, and child. God, that's our commitment. God, I pray that you would grow my faith so I would lead stronger and lead bolder as a, as a man of my my home, father of my kids, husband of my wife, and pastor of this church. God, I pray that you would lead us as a church to lock our arms in the arena of our finances. Let us see you bless so that we continue to be a blessing to others. In your name I pray. We love you, Jesus. Amen.